Good morning, Radiate. Welcome to week four of Remix. What an amazing series this has been so far. The past three weeks, God has done some amazing things in each of our lives. He's deposited words, He's changed us, and He's given us action steps to move forward. Today is going to be no different. You've got a member of the family coming up today. From Sand Springs, Oklahoma, Pastor Chuck Barano is back with us again this weekend from the Harvest Church. We are so excited to welcome him and his family back with us this weekend. We know he's going to bring a powerful word. He's an amazing friend to me and my family. He's an amazing friend to this church. In fact, he's been praying for you for years and you didn't even know it. I'm excited for you to get to hear his voice. I'm excited for you to get to hear what God's going to speak through him. I'm excited to see what God's going to do through you. Now, as we've been saying every week at Radiate, we're all about honor. We honor the people. We honor the position. So if you would, go ahead, stand to your feet today, and put your hands together for a great man of God, Pastor Chuck Barano. Come on, Radiate. Let's go. Come on, will you just put your hands together and honor God? Come on, will you just give him... Come on, the Bible says clap your hands and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Can you just lift a shout to God in the... Lord, we bless you today. Come on, join me in prayer, and then we're going to jump into the Word. Father, we thank you so much for how good you've been to us. Lord, we recognize your goodness in our lives, and we recognize your grace and your hand on us. And so, Father, we just thank you today that as you deposit a Word into us, Father, we are changed into your image from glory to glory according to your Word. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, Amen. Amen. Y'all be seated. Listen, I am so excited to be back at Radiate. It's been one year. uh, And the reason I know that is because my friend Facebook um, (laughs) popped up a memory just this past week of the recap video from last year. And I was like, man, has it been a year, but it has. It's been a year since we've been here, and a lot has changed in the last year. Uh, uh, Last year when we were here, uh, we were in Durant, Oklahoma. Anybody know where Durant is? Anybody? No one other than Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> right? No one knows where Durant is. That's because it's this little tiny town right in the middle, uh, right at the bottom of, uh, of Oklahoma, right up, uh, above Dallas. And we had been there for the last seven years, and God uh, challenged us. We did not want to move. Uh, we, we say that was the hardest move uh, it was actually harder for us to leave Durant than it was for us to leave South Carolina. And we were born and raised in South Carolina. We had built some, uh, some forever family there, and we felt like we were going to be there for the rest of our lives. And God, man, he just wrecked our world. Anybody ever had God just wreck your world? Right? Amen. Well, he did that. And we are now, uh, we are, man, we are blessed. We're in an incredible place, an incredible church, and God's doing some incredible things. Um, but I am glad to be back here. At Radiate Church. So, since the beginning of the year, if you have your Bibles, you can go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, and I will get there, I promise. Right? So, at the beginning of the year, God began to stir some stuff in me um, that, that, that I thought was just for the beginning series, uh, because we moved December 28th of last year uh, to begin the first Sunday of January as a senior pastor at Harvest Church in Sand Springs. If you don't know where Sand Springs it is, it is right on the edge. It's, it's a suburb of Tulsa, of the Tulsa Metroplex. 
And so we live, basically we live in Tulsa. That's where we tell everybody we live. We live in Tulsa. We live in a, a small town called Sand Springs, just on the outside. But we say we live in Tulsa, right? And so when we moved there, we thought, man, this is just the, the, the beginning series of the year. And God began to stir some stuff in me, but it's happened to become kind of the guiding light of everything we've done thus far this year. And the, the simple thought is this. There is, God has more for you than what you're currently experiencing. God has more for you. Everybody say more. more. See, I believe that God has more for you, that he's placed, and, and, and listen, we all talk about, you know, we want more of God, and we worship, and we sing songs like, you know, we want more of you, and, and we say phrases like that all the time, but I believe that there is a the more that God has placed in you, and we're going to talk about that today. Is that all right? Yeah. Now, it, it's going to make me feel better, and it's going to make me preach faster if you say Amen. See, just like that. That was good. You get quiet, I start stammering, and we go for long periods of time. <laughs> and the next experience won't like that, <clears throat> right? And Pastor Travis gets nervous. And so, hey, would, would you, before I jump into my scripture, would you just give a great big round of applause to your leadership here? Man, you have a wonderful, wonderful team of pastors. And your senior pastors, they have been some of our best friends on the planet for over 10 years. And I know that because Facebook popped up a thing. <laughs> and, and, so, and so, man, they've been wonderful friends. We've walked through a lot together. We've been through a lot together. My wife told me, push my shirt down. I was looking. Thank you for keeping me fly. Y'all, my wife wasn't there. Thank you for keeping me fly. You're right. <clears throat> okay, so... <laughs> So my wife wasn't able to be here with me last year. This is my wonderful, stand up and let everybody see it. Yeah, stand up, stand up, let everybody, she's the, she's the most beautiful pastor's wife on the planet. Hallelujah, right? So, so we've been in this concept of the more of God for our lives, and I thought it was for the beginning uh, uh, series that we did at the beginning of the year uh, called Simply More. But around the beginning of the summer, God began to stir some stuff as I started studying Mark chapter 4. And in Mark chapter 4, uh, and, and I didn't give this to, to the folks. I'm not even going to read the scripture. I'm just going to kind of tell it. Jesus tells a story. How many of you know Jesus told stories? Well, see, I've always been taught that Jesus told stories because it made it easier for people to understand until I read Mark chapter 4. <clears throat> And in Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells the story of a sower, a guy who went around scattering seed all over the ground. And at the end of the story, Jesus prays it out, says amen, they come up, close the service, and everybody leaves, except for a few guys. And after the service, they come up to Jesus in the green room, and they're like, hey, Jesus, like the story was cool and all, but why do you keep telling us stuff in stories? And Jesus, and, and as soon as I read this, right, I'm like, I know why he tells stuff in stories because it makes it easier for people to understand. And Jesus goes, because it's been given to you to know the mystery of the kingdom. But to them it hasn't. So I say it in stories so that seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand. Is 
That threw my theology out of the water, right? Because I'm like, well, wait a minute. Jesus told stories to make it easier for people to understand. But Jesus just said, he told stories to make it harder for people to understand. I said, Lord, that seems kind of cruel, right? Like you're trying to leave people out. You're choosing favorites, right? And all of a sudden the Lord said, no, I wanted to know who was going to dig deep and who was just here for the free stuff. And so we've been in this, this thing because during the summer, everybody kind of takes a break. You know, everybody goes on vacation, so you get a little break from work. You, if you're in school, you get a break from school. You, you, you're, summer's a time to relax. And what that's done is that's bled over into our faith. And so we take a break from church and we take a break from God, and instead of pushing in and digging deep, we wade around in the shallows and splash in the stuff that feels good. And Jesus is going, that's great, church dismissed, go home, because I wanna know who's gonna stick around and dig deep, right? And so as we began to dig deep, God took me back to this idea of the more. He said, because I've got more from, for you than what you're currently experiencing. Look at your neighbor and say, he got more. <clears throat> so in Ephesians chapter four, he began to stir this up in me because Ephesians chapter four and verse seven says this. It says, but to each one of us, grace, everybody shout grace. Grace has been given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Everybody shout gift. Yes. So what you're gifted for, you're also graced for. Okay, so you got a gift and you got a grace. And the thing is, is we can easily recognize our gifting, right? I know whether I'm gifted to sing or not. If I open my mouth and dogs howl and people run, that probably is not my gift. Right? If I can't carry a tune in the bucket, they probably won't let me sing next Sunday. Because I'm not gifted for it and I'm not graced. So as I begin to look at this and I begin to understand it, God began to deal with me about some things, right? So, so every one of us was, we were born with this grace. We're going. Y'all with me? Now I'm going to tell you, I'm a wonderful artist. Y'all just wait and see. Okay? So this is your, this is your grace. This is your more. This is the more of God that he's placed on your life. Let's say it's your grace potential. And let's say your grace potential, say this, this rectangle, don't do the dimensions because like I said, you have to have the spirit to discern this stuff. So let's say it's a 20 by 20. Now I know that this is longer than this, so it wouldn't, it wouldn't, so all of you who are, who are just going, that just wouldn't work. I know it won't work. Let's just pretend, right? Right? So let's say that your more is 20 by 20. 
You've been gifted or you've been graced to say, let's say that, that Pastor Brandon has been graced to have a church of 30,000. Praise the Lord. Everybody said, is that a prophecy? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see if it fleshes out, right? <clears throat> right. I didn't claim to be a prophet, right? So, so let's say he's gift or he's graced to have a church of 30,000 in the, in the metro area here, right? Of Elgin. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? But what I have found is that most people live in the confines of a five by five existence. You're graced for 20 by 20, but you're currently living five by five and you're frustrated. You walking around going, there's got to be And you know how I can tell if you're living in the confines of a five by five? Because the key word of the five by five is potential. You ever meet somebody and you start talking, they've switched gears, they've switched careers, they've switched churches, they've switched Spouses, they've switched something, right? <laughs> switch something, right? And, and they switch that thing and you start talking to them and they go, oh, but there's so much more potential. There's the potential for me to make a six-figure salary at this job. There's the potential for me to grow into a position of leadership at this church. There's the potential... But what that is, is it's a sign to me that they're living here. Because you're more is about purpose. And as long as I continually talk about potential, it's probably because I'm not living on purpose. I've never met someone who's living out their purpose continually talk about their potential. Because though their church may not be the size that it's going to be, they're currently living as though it already. And so you live in a five by five. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So Christ has gifted you and he's graced you for the 20 by 20, for the, for the more of God for your life. But you're currently living in the five by five and talking about the potential and talking about, but you're living frustrated because you don't know why with everything that you're doing and everything that you're trying and every direction that you're going, you can't seem to get to 20 by 20. I've kind of found out why there's this frustration. If you want to flip over with me, you can flip to Isaiah chapter 9 and I'll get there. <laughs> because I found out that 
that when Jesus created, or when God created the world, he didn't create the world to start Christianity. He didn't create the world so that he could start a brand new religion. He created the world because he is the king over a kingdom, then he wanted to expand its territory. And so he created the heavens and the earth, and in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, he had created man and he said, let man have dominion. And then he listed everything that man has dominion over. Mankind has dominion over, right? And so what has happened here is he created the earth to expand his kingdom, but he wasn't leaving headquarters because if you lived in a castle like that, you wouldn't leave either, right? So he said, I need somebody that I can put in charge. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm in charge. And he said, I need somebody that I can put in charge. And so he created mankind and put him in charge. He made him a, a ruler. He made him an ambassador for his kingdom. That's why we have dominion, kingdom, king's domain, dominion, the place where one rules or has domain, right? Now, in Isaiah chapter 9, the Bible says this. Let me see if I can get to it real quick. In Isaiah chapter 9, the Bible says this, verse 6 and 7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, everybody shout government, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase. Everybody shout increase. I like increase. Right? I like when, 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 when our numbers at church increase. We celebrate when numbers increase. We evaluate when numbers decrease. Right? I like increase. I like when the numbers increase. I like when the money increases. I lost half of you right there. You went, ah, oh, he says, says. So, he's in the flesh. He's just so, so. Okay, next week you go to your job and tell your boss, say, I don't want to be in the flesh. So, take so much off of my paycheck this week. Right? I like it when the numbers increase because that means I can do more for the kingdom, right? I like when number, I like increase. Well, he says, of the increase of his government, everybody shout government. There will be no end, meaning there will be continual increase. Now, what is the government of God? It's the kingdom of God. Remember, he didn't come to, listen, we realize that the government of God is not the democratic republic. Right? His kingdom so much bigger than our nation. Right? Okay, so, so the government of God is his kingdom. Now wait a minute, because when he created the heavens and the earth, he created the earth and he put man in it to have dominion. So within you and I, 
there is the more of kingdom dominion. Y'all real quiet right now. Y'all going, y'all going, he's going to cross over into heresy any moment. Any moment, right? All right. Okay. Listen, how many of you believe you're supposed to live in victory? Okay. Victory, dominion. Right? You're supposed to live in dominion in your finances. You're not supposed to walk around in debt, broke, and depressed. You're supposed to live in dominion. Right? You're supposed to live in dominion in your marriage. You're supposed to have victory. You and your spouse rule that home together. Right? Okay? He's created you to live an overcoming, victorious life of dominion. Right? So he's given us the more, but when we live here, inside of us, there's this ever-increasing kingdom, and it's constantly growing, but we're not. So we feel the pressure from the inside, and we're frustrated. I should be growing, but I'm not. I should be doing more, but I'm not. I should be expanding, but I'm... And so I started asking questions. Why? Why are so many Christians supposed to live here, but stuck here? Because I'm sick and tired of hearing about potential. I'm ready to see some folks start living out their purpose. Why are we not? And I think I think I found an answer for some of you today. Are you ready? Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1. If you've been in church any length of time, people love this verse. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, so great a cloud of witnesses, and they stop. Oh, brothers and sisters, you, how many of you are church? You, you had a background in church. Anybody have a background in Pentecostal church? Anybody wave at me? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was I born and raised Pentecostal, right? And, 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 and I heard, I, I've heard preachers pre, preach it a lot, a lot of times badly, but I've heard them preach it. Oh, brothers and sisters, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. But it goes on and says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Now you're talking, preacher. Blast them. <laughs> Tell them what their sin is. Because we in the church world have become so sin conscious we're stuck here. And as long as you stay sin conscious, you're never going to get here. Because he didn't put us in the world to glorify the sin. He put us He put us on the planet to make Jesus famous. But we pick our pet sin. And now notice this. You go, yeah, tell them what all their sins are, preacher. Notice that it says, lay aside the sin. Everybody say the that means there's one of them. 
Have you ever noticed that at the root of most people's problems, there is generally one hang up that they have that if the enemy can push those buttons, he can keep them in defeat? David. We won't talk about you yet. We'll talk about David. David had an issue with lust. Well, that's a Bible character, preacher. You know, you shouldn't really talk about Bible. He was hanging out on a roof watching a lady take a bath. He had an issue with lust. <laughs> Jacob was a deceiver. Noah had issues with alcohol. Everybody has a the sin. Everybody has an issue that if the enemy can start pushing those buttons, he can lead you into all kind of different things that can get you all twisted up and tied up and ensnared. But the church has spent so much time focusing on the the sin and we've never talked about every weight. Because sin is about right and wrong. Sin is about heaven or hell. Weight is about wisdom. And what I've noticed is that the higher that God wants to take me, the more weight I have to shed. And it might not necessarily be wrong for me to participate. But it also might not be wise. But what we've done is we've so focused on the sin because if we can conquer the sin, I used to look at porn, I don't look at porn anymore. I'm better. I used to go out and do all that stuff. And I don't do that stuff anymore. I'm better. But we'll argue you down over whether we do it or whether something we're doing is a right. Well, I have a right. The Bible doesn't say it's wrong. You're right, it doesn't say it's doesn't say it's gonna send you to H E double hockey sticks. <laughs> but it may weigh you down and keep you from reaching here. And so I wanted to know, well, God, if we've got so many people, listen, Christians have focused on the sin so much, we've not really focused on the weights. We, now, let's just be real honest. Some of the weights we've called sin in an attempt to shift categories. And God's going, where'd you get that from? Right? But just because it didn't shift categories doesn't mean it's wise for us to participate in. And so if we have spent all of this time focusing on the sin issue and we haven't shed the weights, we still may be stuck here. And I wanted to know, is there a way to get us 
out of the five by five and moving towards the 20 by 20 so that we can stop talking about our potential, but we can start living on purpose. Is there a way? And I think he gave us the answer in the very next verse when he said, looking unto Jesus. The word looking there literally means to set one's gaze so that it cannot be distracted. Why, Pastor? Humor me for a minute because most of y'all are going to give me the religious answer. I go, why do, why do we look to Jesus? Well, because Jesus was God, Pastor. Why would you even bring that up in the, in the, in the middle of church? Humor me for a minute because, see, he gave us the answers there too. And it may be a little different than what you might think because we would answer and go, well, we look to Jesus because Jesus is God. He's our, he's our Savior. He's the one that we should look to. And all of those answers are correct. But he tells us right here, he says, who... For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Everybody shout perspective. Jesus had the right perspective. Too many times when we face difficulty and adversity in our lives, we're constantly focused on the adversity and we're going, I just don't know how I'm gonna overcome this. These things just keep coming up. This must be my lot in life. This must be just who I am. Or we get real spiritual about it and we go, devil, not today. This is, the devil didn't send every adversity your way. Some of them you created on your own. But if we gain the right perspective and the right perspective is heaven's perspective and Jesus displayed it here when he looked through the cross, he looked through the difficulty, he looked through the adversity and he said on the other side of this thing there's something that's gonna cause me so much joy that I'm willing to endure the cross for it. If we would understand that the adversity we face and the difficulty that we experience is nothing more but a launching pad to get us from where we are to where God wants us, we'd stop fighting it and we'd walk through it and go, you know what, I can endure the pain, I can endure the frustration, I can walk through this with grace and with honor and with dignity because I know on the other side, God has something for me. Is this all right? Yeah. Samuel going, that little short guy, he's like, he's fiery. <laughs> he's fiery, Betsy. He's fiery. Right? Who for the joy set before him? <laughs> Settle down. Endured the cross, despising the shame. And number two, he sat down at the right hand of God. Do y'all know what that means? He finished his assignment. He fulfilled his purpose. Look to him because he did what you're trying to do. He walked through life Constantly moving towards his more. 
without ever getting hung, without ever getting hung up at his potential. So how do we focus on Jesus? Three things. You ready? Number one, personal Bible reading and prayer. Well, preacher, that's real simple. Well, if most Christians would get it, we might be able to move on. But most of the counseling sessions I walk into with people who are experiencing adversity and their marriages are on the verge of breaking up, I can walk in and in the first five minutes I can look at them and go, when's the last time you've opened the Bible together? When's the last time you've prayed together? When's the last time you've done it individually? And most of them will look at me and go, uh, you know, I've just been so busy. Well, you wonder why you can't focus on Jesus You can't look unto Jesus without distraction and we haven't spent time in his word or talking to him. Come on. Today would be a great day to walk out of this service, pick up your Bible app, open it up and find a devotional and go, you know what? For the next seven days, I'm gonna walk through this devotional. Some of your marriages, it would do you well to walk out of this service today and open up a couple's devotional on your your, uh, YouVersion app and go, you know what, sweetheart, for the next seven days we're going to do it. Men, how about take the lead on that? Don't wait for her to do it. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But open it up, man. Walk through it for the next seven days together. Number two, private worship. If you waited to worship until you walked in here this morning, you waited too long. This should be nothing but a collaboration of what we all have been doing all week. Right? Some of y'all, listen, I'm not, some of y'all, all you gotta do, you, listen, when you go on your way to work, just instead of listening to the morning show, Pop in a worship podcast. Listen, do y'all still have the Radiate Worship playlist? Spotify, log on. Look it up. On your way to work, on your way home, dropping the kids off at the sitters. Spend some time worshiping. And number three, is serve like crazy. Because what I have found out is most people aren't looking unto Jesus because they're so focused looking unto themselves. I'm so focused on me. I'm so focused on mine. I'm so focused on what I want and what I deserve and what I need. Well, I can't go to that church because they don't give me the kind of music I want or they don't, they don't, they don't offer the kind of small group that I like. I can't, I can't go, I can't serve there because... I. And it's all about me. But if we would take and shift that focus and begin to put our focus on others and serving other people, what we would find out is in serving other people, we would become more like Jesus and our focus would be steadfast. So when adversity comes our way, we can walk through it and go, you know what? That wasn't quite as bad as I thought it might be. Because the whole time I've been 
focused on others. So every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask you this morning, I'm, I'm giving two, two calls right now. Two calls. Number one, if you're in here and you're going, Pastor, I've been so focused on me, I've not been focused on him, and I've, I've, I've been living in defeat. I'm living frustrated. I'm, I'm living in the five by five, but Pastor, I hear what you're saying, and I want to move forward. I want to move into the new thing. I, not the new thing, but the more of God for my life. I want to move into my purpose. If that's you, on the count of three, I just want you to shoot your hand up. One, two, three. All over the building. All over the building. All over the building. If you raise your hand, let me pray with you right now. Father, I thank you for every person that had the courage to raise their hand. And God, I thank you that as they did, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would give them the courage that they need to step out of that, step out of the rut that they are in and to move into the more of God. I pray that as their focus begins to shift to you, looking unto Jesus, that you would walk with them through this process. And Father, that they wouldn't become fixated on their potential, but they would live out their purpose. In Jesus' name. Second call, if you're in here today, you go, man, that message, it was, it was, it was pretty good, but it's not really going to make sense to you if you haven't submitted your life to Jesus Christ. So I'm not going to prolong this. I'm not going to beg you. But if you're in here today and you're not serving Jesus, you have not given your life to Christ, but you say, Pastor, today, I want to submit my life to Jesus. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands. And when you lift your hands, you may feel uh, very slightly a clipboard being slipped into it. Listen, we're not doing that to distract you. What we're doing is we're trying to give you an opportunity to let the great folks here at Radiate Church know, hey, I've given my life to Jesus this morning. And they're going to walk with you and they're going to help you. They're going to they're give you some resources to kind of help you grow in your faith. And they're going to get you connected with some folks and some groups to help you really grow in your faith. And so, listen, if you're in here, here and you go, Pastor, I, I'm not serving Jesus. I walked in here today and I, I haven't given my life to Jesus, but I want to give my life to Jesus this morning. I'm going to count to three very quickly. I'm not going to prolong it, but I want you just to shoot your hand real high so we can see it on the count of three. One, two, three. Anybody in the building? Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Anybody in the building? Then Radiate Church, will you stand to your feet real quick and will you give a great big hand to your campus directors?